The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, too, the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Monday morning. hope you had a great weekend, a great Lord's Day, and uh, I hope that you got a chance to be with the people of God and hear the word of God. I mean, that... It's important to have that, uh, whether you're meeting in a you know, church building, a home, wherever you're meeting, that you're getting the Word of God. Hopefully you're getting it in its context uh, so that you hear the Word of God and not the Word of man. And uh, glad to have all of you guys here with us this morning. And we're going to get to some of that in just a moment. If you'd like to check us out online, please go to sonsoflibertyradio.com and also sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, jump over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. You can join us on the video portion of the radio show. Slide down on the right side of the page. We are streaming live, second video down, right side of the page. And uh, click onto that. 
you can enlarge it. That's right. You can see the face is made for radio, and you can also click on it again and join us in the chat. we got lots of friends in there this morning. Good to see all of you guys there, and uh, we'd be happy to have you join us by way of the video portion of the radio show. Also right above that is Bradley's show from Saturday. So if you missed that and you'd like to catch that, that's two hours worth of Bradley. You can do that. Just click on that and you can play it. And I'm not sure... I don't think he's going to be live today, so you guys don't worry, don't fret. He's he's on a long trip. They're, they're not going to put on the mask to get on a plane, so they're driving, and they're driving everywhere. So I think they're on their way to Colorado, and they should be arriving there sometime today, I think. And uh, so be in prayer for them as they travel. They're going to California, all of that. This is a lot of driving, and it's all because they're not going to bow the knee to the tyranny of the mask mandate police, Okay who have no authority to be telling them to do it in the first place, but they're not going to give them their business. They're going to they're going to uh, practice what they preach, and uh, that's the way we do it here at the Sons of Liberty. Also right above that, please subscribe to our email newsletter. Again, we don't rent your email, sell it, or spam it to anybody. And uh, you get one email f- from us a day, all the articles we have, including the morning show archive that I do for you, video, podcast, and all of the links and other things that we have that we put in there. All of those will be in there in the email, so be sure to sign up for that. Um, You'll be glad you did. Uh, There's a lot of people who say they really appreciate our email newsletter, and I think you will too, so thank you for that. Finally, if you agree with our message and you would like to partner with us, you'd like to help us out and support us in that, we have needs. We we never ask you for money. We just don't do that. But uh, if you'd like to do that, there's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com, one-time donations. Or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. There's a link for that as well. And then our store button. And um, when you open up our store, there are a variety of products in there that are great conversation starters and uh, also equipping tools. And our newest, again, now you can't use the promo code anymore. That went off on Saturday. But you guys asked for it. This is the Rebellions of Tyrants is Obedience to God t-shirt. This was the seal that was... Um, it's attributed to Benjamin Franklin as to be the seal of the United States. It's got Moses being and the children of Israel being delivered on dry land while Pharaoh and the armies are being sunk in the sea and the pillar of fire is in the background. And uh, later on, Thomas Jefferson used it for his personal seal. And then on the back, <clears throat> it says, When the Lord sent Moses to face Pharaoh, saying, Let my people go, it was not a request. It was a command, Exodus 9.1. And a lot of you guys have asked about that. And so we've got it in the store it's twenty bucks. Uh, if you go up above an extra large, it's twenty five. Uh, you could have got it for ten percent off if you got it before Saturday. So you guys who got in on the promo code before midnight on Saturday, you got it for you know, two dollars two fifty less. And you know, in our house, two dollars two fifty. Yeah, we're all about that. Okay, <laughs> so we have to be so frugal in everything that we're doing. Now, here's the thing: the other week we had Jason Garwood on. And we talked about something they were putting together called the Warrington Declaration on Medical Mandates, Biblical Ethics, and Authority. And we kind of went through what they did. They had a few things that they were going to clean up, and they had a website they were going to produce so that uh, people could go and they could sign and and say, yes, I'm in agreement with that. Now, I want to introduce this this way, and then I'll get Jason's comments. By the way, I want to take time to uh, to welcome Jason. Jason, good morning, man. 
Good morning to you, Tim. It's Whoops. good to be back with you again. Yeah, good to be with you. And and all of the things, I apologize, I forgot to stick you in here. <laughs> we were talking. So let me bring Jason up here. Oh, yeah, there I am. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it, you know, I was thinking this morning, you and I could probably get on here and talk for two or three hours or something about these things, because I think we hit it off so well in discussing the issue as we went through the points. And we're going to do some of that again today, just to reiterate, some people didn't hear the first time. But this has to be... I think one of the most important statements that's come from the church in at least 300 years, and just so people understand, we've had things in our history. We, we've had the Apostle Cre- Apostles' Creed. We've had the Nicene Creed. We've had the Athanasian Creed. We've had the Heidelberg Catechism. We've had the Belgic Confession, the Canons of Dort, the Belhar Confession. We've had the Westminster Confession. We've had the London Baptist Confession. All of these things, and I think what uh, London Baptist is 1689, um, and uh, Westminster is right around that time too, and so, and then prior or then following that, we had uh, things like the Magna Carta, we had the uh, Mayflower Compact, all of these kinds of statements. They weren't brought up by secular governments; they were brought up by the church, and they were put into a written form. They identified the scriptures that they were uh, addressing when they made their statements, and now you guys have come along. And uh, I got to tell you, I it, I think you and I talked about it. I wish the church would get together and do do one on eschatology, what the Bible says, so that we can weed out a lot of this nonsense that we have that's going on in America that's hamstrung the church about, you know, last day's madness stuff. But this Warrington Declaration is pretty unique because it's addressing a particular subject, the authority of the state, the actually the authority of the individual, too, and uh, and their jurisdiction, and it points all back to Scripture. This is this is nothing less than what the Bible says. And so, why don't you kick us off on this? You guys finally got the website up. I'm going to be showing that. And if you want to kind of introduce this for people who don't know, who didn't get to tune into the last show, why don't you give them a little heads up on why this came about and uh, who all has been involved in putting this together? Sure. I, I've come to think of our First Corinthians 14, 8. It says, and if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? And I think one thing we've observed in the past couple of years is that the church has been caught flat-footed, especially when it comes to this particular issue of health and medicine and, and uh, the ever-encroaching problem of statism. So get it, you know, why is the statement important right now? If you simply go over the preamble of the statement, I think you'll find a it very helpful to at least just give you a, an idea of it. And basically to just kind of sum it up, this is way overdue. And, and the reason is because way before COVID uh, we've had issues with seeding and giving way too much power to a, the centralized bureaucrats known as the federal government. And even at the state level too. Um, but we've been giving too many, uh, too much authority to them over our medical choices, too, too much power to the medical industrial complex. Um, we had to, you've heard horror stories of what we can really just straight up call medical kidnapping, where if a, if a, if a family decided that their child with cancer was not going to go the uh, conventional, quote-unquote, allopathic model of scorched earth theory and push, pushing them through all of the drugs and um, all of those sorts of cancer treatments that go on that really do a lot of harm, if you, if you as a parent say no, then you're very much um, liable to potentially having your child taken from you and put into foster care 
Um, and I, we've personally, my personal family, we have we have worked through that with a cousin, one of my wife's cousins, uh, because they were fighting a legal battle. And thankfully, we were able to get a lawyer, and and they ended up backing off. But so we've had this unholy alliance with the medical industrial complex for a long time, public health agencies, even the court systems, the, the, the pharmaceutical companies, people who think that there's a one size fits all medical protocol. So when we when we talk about um, medicine and, and uh, no one's really promoting healthy eating, you know, this whole thing has been a vaccine discussion. Just get your shot, get your shot get so you can have your life back and this sort of bait and switch from the federal government and, and the uh, health agencies and so on. Uh, you know, this type of, of nonsense has gone on already, but it got worse the past couple of years, as we've seen. So it's wreaked havoc in the church as well. Sadly, many churches and many Christian publications have become basically mouthpieces of the CDC. Whatever the CDC says is what we have to do without really any sound evaluation of the problem, the conflicts of interest that are there, uh, people leaving uh, places like Merck or Pfizer, and then getting a cushy job, government-funded job at the CDC. Um, you know, we've just we've we've seen tyranny grow and grow and grow over the years. And uh, this church, this declaration, rather from the church, from the people of God, it really is overdue. But I think for us, you know, if we could say, as my friend Jordan says, you know, the silver lining of this whole COVID ordeal is that it really did shake us down to the foundation. So we've had to ask questions. What does self-government look like? What is the basic, uh, you know, theological concept of authority? How to, who has authority? Who says who? Who gets to tell you what to wear on your face? Who gets to tell you what you have to stick in your arm? And so I think it's t- really forced us to stop and have to think through this. And so many have just kind of keeled over and said, well, whatever they say. But many of us, Many of your listeners, many people right now who are watching live are, are saying, no, I'm not going to just follow along. So that's why, why the declaration was needed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in fact, <clears throat> that, you know, some people have compared that they've, I've seen them compare this with the abortion issue and they'll use the my body, my choice thing to show the hypocrisy of the other side. But the problem is, even in a, in a context like that, abortion is an issue to where it is murder. We're not forcing women to have babies. We're not forcing them to have sex. We're not have, forcing any of that stuff. And even where there's an issue of rape or something, there's still an, another life that's there. There's another body inside that woman's body, and she doesn't have the right to do to that person's body what she wants to. And and so it's not really the same kind of concept, but I get that people want to show the hypocrisy of people who promote uh, child murder in the womb uh, with this. It's not really the same thing. This is an issue of, you know, our our bodies are uh, a jurisdiction that God has given us that we give an account for. And, uh, you know, it is the temple of the Holy Spirit, as the Scripture says. And so we are to look after it. And I think that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons, as I thought through bringing Kate Shimrani on every Saturday, I thought, this is an issue of liberty, too. And fortunately, Kate is a Christian. She understands that God has instructed us on things that we should eat and things that we should avoid. And this, I'm not going to get into a debate, a debate with people about, you know, dietary laws and things. I'm going to say God told people certain things to eat and certain things not to eat for their benefit. It, there was obviously a ceremonial aspect, but there was a benefit to that. We know there's a benefit to that. There's people that have done tons of studies on what we eat, how it affects us. Uh, I think it was Jonathan Edwards, uh, the great uh, preacher that we had, you know, years ago 
in America who he would write down how think how certain foods affected his body, how he could think or whether it made him sleepy or whether it made him sick or any of these kinds of things. So so that does have an impact on us. And I think you're exactly right. Let me read off. This is just a couple of paragraphs of the preamble that you mentioned there. And uh, this is from the Warrenton Declaration. By the way, if you're listening online, you're watching, it's you go to Warrenton, W-A-R-R-E-N-T-O-N, declaration.com, and that's up there. You can read this uh, statement, and you can also sign on to it. If you uh, want to uh, put your you know, signature on it, you can do that. that. That's available as well. Here's what the preamble says. With the rise of COVID-19 and all the attendant ramifications has been incumbent upon the church to come to terms with what it believes related to the intersecting areas of biblical ethics, authority, and medical mandates. Unfortunately, due to a pervasive lack of theological and biblical understanding on these issues, coupled with a tendency to over-attribute power and jurisdiction to the state, oftentimes churches have defaulted to almost reflexively acquiescing to whatever government health agency statements are made and the policies they put in place. The legitimacy of the sweeping powers attributed to the state is either simply presumed or reinforced with scant or faulty biblical support. Powers are assumed to exist unless explicitly denied, rather than regarded as absent unless firmly established in Scripture. And this is the way we look at all things. If It's not just, if Scripture doesn't say do it, you can just go do whatever you want to do there. Um <clears throat> As a result, rather than leading on these issues, pastors often become little more than mouthpieces for government health agencies. Boy, Bradley's been on that with uh, Franklin Graham and all of this and uh, and some other people. I, I took on um, the guy out there at Southwestern, uh, Al Moeller as well, pushing this, this idea of going and getting your jab. They go on and say, um, and then they are used by these same agencies to help carry out their bidding. The reasons given for following such policies and mandating them in the local church are not typically justified by a well-rounded and systematic understanding of the whole counsel of Scripture on authority and what it means to love one's neighbor as oneself. Instead, the rationale given is usually disjointed, unbalanced, and confused. To that end, the Warrington Declaration on Medical Mandates, Biblical Ethics, and Authority was created in order to provide logical clarity on these issues moving forward to equip local churches and their officers in providing clarity on where they stand and to assist individuals who are being mistreated in their churches with a well-ordered summary of belief in this regard. And Jason, I think this is a this is a great introduction because the intent is not to be mean, it's not to smack down people or any of that, it's to say, let's look at what God has said, let's formulate from that who has authority to do what, and then present that and let the individual obey God or disobey God. I mean, it's it's as simple as that, putting it, putting it, putting the ball in their court, and then to call on the church to come alongside those who are being harassed, who tyranny has come toward come to their front door because they won't obey a mass mandate, they won't get a jab, they won't, you know, social distance or whatever the case may be. And it really is an, an aid of real love, not this facade of love that says, hey, man, I love you. You know, just just go along to get along, man. You know, that kind, the, the Budweiser kind of commercial, mm-hmm. I love you, man, kind of thing. This is a, a biblical kind of love to say we show our love for God and for man by obeying what God has said. 
Absolutely. Jesus said as much when he said, if you will love me, you'll obey my commandments. Paul outlines in Romans 13, love is the fulfillment of the law. You know, historically, this this um, nation, of course, we there there was some confusion, I think, in some quarters of, of our nation's founding uh, with regard to uh, more of a deistic approach to things. Some certainly were very Christian and, and explicitly so. Um, but I, I agree with Gary North's assessment. There was a rat in Philadelphia. Um, Christ really isn't been, hasn't been acknowledged um, in our nation explicitly. We've sort of uh, adopted a neutral language type thing where we can, let's speak about God, but we'll, you know, couch God in, in terms of uh, creator and the almighty and sort of language that the Bible does use sometimes, but it's not very explicit. And, and I bring that up mostly because as we've seen this trajectory of statism and a, and a growing and burgeoning state control, um, which has happened uh, in history, especially after the Civil War um, with, with Lincoln and, and, and some of the, the centralized powers that came out of that, um, we've really kind of lost sight of what love is because of we lost sight of what law is. <laughs> and that's the connection I think for a lot of people made, uh, failed to make, because today you're right in pointing out that everything's really emotionalized and over-sensationalized. And that's why people had had come along and said, well, if you want to love your neighbor, then you have to get the vaccine. You have to wear a mask. And we've we've said all those things because we've said other things before this. We've called loving someone, uh, you know, just expressing your feelings and and whether that's a homosexual relationship or, um, you know, any sort of thing. I'm going to marry my lamp, (laughs) that sort of idea. Uh, I can I can decide if I want to be a boy or a girl, or I'll make up my own pronouns. All this confusion is a result, historically, just a result of a confusion of categories. So we've right. lost we've lost sight. We've lost sight, and and uh, this the COVID nineteen. I, I compare it to some people will say, "Well, my child grew up in the church and then went to college and lost their faith." And I've heard others say this. I, I've said it before. It's not so much that the college took their faith. It just the, the college experience revealed what was there and it wasn't much. That's right. And I think that's what COVID-19 has done is it has revealed what's there and there's not much except for more status control. And, and, and because of that, we've really lost sight of the biblical prescriptions for the state, for things like authority, basic things like love and how to define love. And so for, for men like Al, Al Mohler, who, you know, in a lot of ways, I really respect um, much of what he's done. Yep. Um, I, I am troubled by his statements on vaccination uh, big time. And so I think for, for a lot of those guys, maybe they haven't really thought through the ramifications of, well, what if we give the government control over uh, what you put in your arm? Well, it's a slippery slope, as you know, something we've talked about. My, my goodness, they're going to come along and say, well, we're going to start regulating what your family eats and what you can't eat. That's and, right. You know, I don't know that they'll ever do that because they, all they're talking about is the vaccine. They're not, not talking about vitamin A through D and <laughs> not, you know, sunshine and, and fresh air. They don't talk about those things. So I, I'm not sure that they care much other than banning certain size of soda pop you can buy in New York City. But th- this is the, this bottom line. It's an issue of love, which is an issue of law, which is an issue of authority, which is an issue of God. And that's where it all comes from. Well, you know, let me throw this in here because we're going to have a gentleman on on Thursday. I've confirmed him. You guys may have seen the article that I did on this guy uh, from Saturday. Uh, Our own Kate Shimarani interviewed him. 
And um, I, I'm not sure how you pronounce his first name yet, but his last name is Singh. He's from India, but he's in the UK. And if you haven't seen the video, it's here. It's the next Holodomar. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And he's talking about they're given a cover story of shortage of drivers and foods. And he says, if they lock you down again, they're going to starve you again. And so I think you're on a track. You may not have meant to be on that track, but I think they are going to push to the point where they're going to tell you what you can and can't eat. They were doing it in the Obama administration with Obama's, uh, you know, significant other let's just put it that way and uh, her trying to tell the the schools what they were going to feed the kids and it was just i mean it's not like they were feeding them highly nutritious food anyway but then to go to to the 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 realms that they were going was just as bad so i think it is i think it's not just a slippery slope they're ready to they're ready to institute that kind of stuff now ration food and things of that nature under these kind of conditions and i think it's all controlled that's just my personal opinion but that's another discussion. But I think you're on you're on the right track there for that. And I think also the church has come along. My my previous pastor wrote a book uh, addressing this quote unquote new covenant theology, and I'm sure you've heard of it. They were not the law, the Old Testament that God gave, right? Um, that was eternal before that. I mean, it existed before that, but he gave it. He wrote it with his finger on stone. Oh, that's for Israel. That's for the Old Testament. We have the law of Christ, as though that's something different, because Christ reiterated the law that was given because he didn't come to destroy the law but to fulfill it. And so it's it's crept into the church. You've got this bad teaching on what love is. Love is this sentimentality, syrupy, touchy-feely kind of thing, you know, you get goosebumps and stuff. But here at the Sons of Liberty, we talk about what First uh, John says, and that is it's demonstrated in action. Love is a verb, as an old song used to be. Mm-hmm. Love is a verb, and it's demonstrated in action. So how is that, when we come to this this decoration that you and some other members of the church have put together um, to get the church to sign on to, how is how is this different from that? What is it actually saying that's different from that? Because you do address the issue of love in this. Yeah, it's different in that all of this is supposed to be rooted in God and His Word. So ultimately, and I think you you know you say this at the um, <clears throat> at the beginning of the show that this is about a, 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 I think it's Judeo Christian uh, worldview. It's an ethic that's rooted in the Bible. And the reason for that is, is shocker, Christians believe the Bible, right? And as, as a pastor, and I just preached on Romans 13 yesterday, so it's kind of fitting. Maybe we will, um, I'll illustrate something from that later uh, as it's pertinent to this topic. Um, but we, we believe the Bible. We believe that it's the authoritative word of God. We believe and confess what 2 Timothy 3.16 says, that it's God-breathed and and uh, it's profitable for teaching and, and training and righteousness and reproof and all these things that are that matter for, for life. And the reason is so that you can be equipped, so that you can be equipped to, to exist in God's world in obedience to him. And in fact, that's exactly what the Great Commission tells us in, in Matthew 28, that Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth. That's why the section, the first section is about authority, because that's where it all begins, is who has the authority? And for the Christian confession, we affirm that the all authority has been bestowed upon God the Son, Jesus Christ. So that that is different than what you have going on in the world, which says that all authority is vested in the state. This this Hegelian nightmare where the state really becomes the answer, the dialectic answer to everything. 
And Christianity says something completely different. No, Jesus Christ is the integration point. In him are all things held together, Colossians 1. So all, all of this has to kind of filter down to a very basic confession on what is authority, you know, what is what is truly loving someone? Because you all of us have been told, I think someone in the chat was talking about how they got yelled at by their cardiologist for not getting the jab. What a frustrating experience to have to yeah. uh, educate someone on the spot. You don't have the authority to tell me what to do. I'm not taking your experimental jab. I'm not going to, I don't want blood clots. I don't, I didn't sign up for all these adverse reactions. And, and so all of it, that, that's really why when we put this together, several, several of us, excuse me, said, look, at the very basic level, all of this is an issue of authority. Who has the authority? Who gets to tell people what to do? What are the, what's the, what are the ethics behind it? And what are the sanctions behind it too? What happens if you don't get it? What happens if you do get it? And then, of course, for Christianity, we're always thinking through the Dominion Covenant. What does the future look like? What, what is the uh, end game here? And for, for far too long, Christians have been caught flat-footed with almost everything as it pertains to the state. And, you know, uh, I, I sort of change this up from time to time. But when Jesus, remember Jesus told Peter, those who live by the sword die by the sword. You know, you can, you can insert a whole lot of different words in there uh, because the point remains, those who live by the state will die by the state. Uh, so we're just sounding the alarm. That's the bugle blow, right? We want people to get ready for battle and make sure it's a clear sound. And that clear sound is the state has no jurisdiction here. None. That's exactly right. And and I want to touch on something that you've got in the statement here. <clears throat> I scanned through it uh, while you were speaking. Obviously, the, the video audience sees this. But there's two things, and, and let's just take a couple of minutes for this because, again, this is misinterpreted. It's misapplied in the church quite regularly by many. And this comes in the statement of authority. This is the fourth point that you make under that. And you say, we deny that the existing civil authorities have unlimited jurisdiction. Now, that is a world-changing statement for many people in this country because they have been taught the government can do whatever they want, and if they do it, then the Christian must submit. And then you back it up by coming down here to... Um, Point 12. And I think this is where uh, just a couple of minutes, if we can, you say we deny that the Pauline era reign of Emperor Nero can be credibly invoked to invalidate the limiting description of what constitutes legitimate civil authority in Romans 13, 3 to 4. First, this is due to the clear witness of Scripture regarding the identity and characteristics of legitimate biblical civil authority. And second, to the fact that the Neronic persecution did not begin until the Great Fire of Rome in 64 A.D., which was seven years after the writing of the Book of Romans, 57 A.D. And <clears throat> what I've often done, and we've had Gordon Runyon on. Gordon is a signer of this decoration as well, as well as myself. And, you know, one of the things, and I, I highly recommend, if people are having trouble with Romans 13, I think Gordon's book is for the person who just says, can you just give it to me in plain English? Uh, he's got a book called Resistance to Tyrants. And you can pick it up on Amazon. It's fairly easy read. I mean, it's really easy read. And yeah. he breaks it down to where he's saying, look, he's giving a prescriptive 
um, address here. This is how things should be. He's not saying this. I'm not describing how Nero is or or the any of the emperors or any of the tyrants who've lived. This is this is descriptive or this is prescriptive of how God said it's supposed to be, and the people have to bring that to power uh, or bring that into uh, put it in the flesh, if you will. They've got to tell the tyrant, no, you're to obey God. You're not to do your own thing. You're to obey God. And part of that brings us peace, and it brings justice on the heads of the evildoers. And what we find, Jason, in this country now, and we're finding throughout the world, is the evildoers are the ones in power, and they're letting other evildoers get away with all kinds of other things, and then they're persecuting those they should be praising for doing that which is good. Yeah, I've I've heard this from several people with regard to to Romans thirteen. Uh, well, we're supposed to just do what the state says. We're we're to be in subjection. That's what literally what Paul says in in verse one, and then and they forget in verse two that well, <laughs> Paul anchors that authority in God because authority comes from Him. And um, that when you brought up there in point twelve, this is something we've been told repeatedly by by you know squishy evangelicals. No, like he, he was describing Nero. Nero had a good good start to his reign. And yeah, things went sideways to, to <laughs> understate things. Um, but ultimately, no, he was describing that. And, and your point is, is dead on. I do recommend my friend Gordon's book. It's really good. It's, it's a, a simple, short read, but it's, it's very, uh, very accurate. And I mentioned earlier, I preached on Romans 13 yesterday, but the first 12 verses of Romans uh, chapter 12, uh, are all about you know relationships within the church and how we're supposed to outdo one another in love and, and very practical things using your gifts and then he kind of talks about well how what's our relationship to the world you know associate with the lowly um, all these different things are, are are said and then he says um, don't take vengeance into your own hands but leave it for the wrath of God and and we've already heard about the wrath of God in Romans 1 when God gives people over to their lusts and so on. But then there's this other statement in Romans 13 about the wrath of God. And that's because the civil magistrate is a biblical position. It's a covenantal institution that God has given. And I would argue it's more of a juridical distic, distic, uh, distinction where we don't need more humanistic laws to be written by Congress. And we don't need executive power being exercised through alphabet soup agencies, as my friend Chris says. Um, what we need is a, a juridical, a judicial system that simply uh, carries forth and executes justi- justice on the, in the evildoer. So part of the point in the declaration is to clarify that, look, th- Romans 13 is not an excuse for unlimited obedience, unlimited jurisdiction. The state does not have unlimited um, power where they can just tell you whatever you want to do. My friend Jordan has fondly said, if they tell you to go into the town square and cover yourself in mustard and dance, you you don't have to obey that. That's right. That's right. Uh, I guess I guess you can if you <laughs> want to be a strange person. A hot dog. And I, I tell you what, if the government said to do that, yeah, hot dog, exactly. If the government said to do that, I, I think a lot of people would actually go and do it. I really do. Yep, they would. Um, but this is a huge point of clarification, a theological point that cannot be and should not be missed that Romans 13 does not give that prescription, that description of Nero, and nor does it prescribe unlimited jurisdiction. Uh, the Bible is very, very clear. Paul is not confused here. Uh, there is authority, and that authority is on a leash. 
And the magistrate is to punish evil and reward good. And that means you need to know the law of God so you know what in the world is evil and what is good, because that's the other problem. We have a, a, a whole host of issues in this nation, but one of the foremost issues is the fact that we don't know, we're not mature enough to discern good and evil. Well, yeah, and it's because we've abandoned that authority. I mean, again, the, the government is supposed to submit itself unto God, too. It's supposed to be ministers of God. You know, I years ago, it kind of struck me when I was going through Romans 13. I was actually reading Gordon's book on this. I think he had me uh, write some kind of thing for it or something, a, a comment or something. And it just kind of struck me <clears throat> that a lot of a lot of people have just said, yeah, whatever they say, I'm going to submit myself to. And they don't go back and think of how, you know, those within Scripture stood against authority. Jesus himself stood against Pilate when Pilate says, I have authority to, you know, let you go or to crucify you. And he goes, you don't have any authority except it comes from my father. Amen. And you got you got Moses. He's going before Pharaoh, the most powerful, you know, emperor in the world. And he goes and he says, God said, let my people go. And you know what I find interesting is God was saying, let them go and worship. And he wasn't going to not send them back at the time or didn't seem that that was the implication. They were, they, he just was going to let them go to worship. And the Pharaoh wouldn't do any of that. And God had to bring plagues to destroy the gods of Egypt and eventually Pharaoh's own son. And he let them go. And Moses led the people across and Pharaoh's heart got hardened again, chased after the people, and God said, I'm not having any of that. You're going after my people. And this is the warning for tyrants today. You guys, I know where the attack is coming. It's not just on humanity. It's on the church. That's where they're going for. They're going after the church, and they're messing with the wrong kids here. (laughs) Let me put it that way. Because we may not be much in the sight of the world, but our daddy's really somebody, and he knows how to put them in their place. We have all of the prophets addressing uh, wicked kings, calling them to repentance. I mean, there's really not just a spiritual message. There, There's a political message, if you will. Come back to the law. Obey God, the one who gave the law. And then we go into the New Testament. We see John the Baptist uh, addressing Herod. It's not lawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife while he's alive. Then we have um, uh, the apostles, uh, who is Peter and John, standing before the Sanhedrin. Is it you judge whether it's right? We obey God or we obey you? We're going to obey God. You can do whatever you want to do, but we're going to obey God. You find Paul doing the same thing as he goes out into the cities. I mean, he's not held down by their idolatry or something. He preaches out against it. And so over and over and over throughout the Scripture, anybody that says you submit to a tyrant is biblically illiterate, and they need to repent, and they need to understand what the Bible says about that. Amen to that 100%. In fact, this is this is a point of contention we talked about, I think, uh, a couple weeks ago when I was on. And this is something that I really would beg all of our listeners right now to really wrap your mind around, because big evangelical is telling you, you have to obey unless they tell you to sin. And that's actually point 14 of the declaration, uh, warrantondeclaration.com. We deny that the only reason one may lawfully disobey on authority is if they are commanded to sin by that authority. Man, get this get this through your head because it's a, it's life-changing information because we've just assumed the authority of the state assumed that they have that unlimited jurisdiction. And, and th- this is things you would hear. I, I don't know that I've ever heard Moeller say it. I'm pretty confident. I heard MacArthur say this, but that's usually the, 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 um, the argument. 
well, they shut down our churches and now they're, they're causing us to sin by not getting back together and assemble. Well, maybe that's true, but that's not the only reason why you would reject the authority of the state. The other reason is because they have crossed a boundary. They've crossed a line. So I, I, this is, we've tried to herald this from the rooftops as much as we can because of the people you just listed, going back to the Hebrew midwives and Daniel and, and Rahab, um, all these people yeah, who disobeyed. Yeah. Not, they didn't disobey just because to not do so would have been sin. All right. There's a lot of reasons that, you know, there's a lot of reasons that I obey certain things like paying property tax, which I think should be completely abolished because the, the God owns the land, not the state. Yep. Now, but I have to pay it right now because I don't, you know, want to put my family out on the street and I'm, I'm just sort of doing it because uh, w- sort of with a gun held to my head, you know, pay this, pay us rent or you're, you know, <laughs> going to lose your house now. So I'm not necessarily sinning by paying it. Um, but we all weigh those sort of things all the time, but the government doesn't, when we say the government, um, we're talking about the civil magistrate here. That's the language we try to use, but the magistrate doesn't have that authority to not just to call you to sin, you know, do something to sin, but it's also, if they tell you anything that's contrary to the law of God and they've encroached upon other spheres like this family and the state, uh, family in the church, then, you know, they have no authority. So you're free to disobey. Um, but of course, we should be disobedient in wise ways and patient ways. Amen. And you you gave a great example there on the property tax. I, I hate that, too. I think it's immoral. Um, it's obviously unbiblical. And again, it's a it's an overreach of government to be doing that in the first place. And what's amazing to me, uh, Jason, is people think that uh, somehow that maybe is an expression of freedom. They they talk about well, we we pay our taxes because the 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 United States has given us such a great opportunity here. No, the United States has not given you that. God has given you that, and He's given it through you, but through the means of being in the United States. But it's not the United States giving you that opportunity. And uh, you've given some other things that you that we talked about in the last time, and then we'll move on to the second section. But you talked about. Um, the the issues where Jesus gave to the people, you know, if the if the soldier comes along and he wants you to carry his stuff for a mile, carry it two miles. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't right for the soldier to tell you to carry his stuff. He ought to be able to carry his own stuff. But Jesus is is, is giving an example here of of doing exactly I think what you said, and I think also giving opportunity for them to speak to that soldier um, about the gospel, what, what has been given to them. And so I think we take those things and we look at them as opportunities. I know I do with property taxes, because if I have to call up the, the people down there at the tax office, I inform them, I say, this is an immoral tax anyway. I've already paid for this. You have no reason to be taxing me on this. And what they do is they tax the big things. They don't tax everything every year. They tax the big things, your house, your cars, your boats, whatever the case may be. And they do that because it seems legitimate to them. And they're doing what's right in their own eyes rather than obeying what God has said. Now, you guys, uh, we've got a a section two here, application of medical mandates. And by the way, we're probably going to run over a little bit. So if you're on Red State Talk Radio and you want to jump over to sonslibertymedia.com, right side of the page, and click on that. Or you can go to beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there. We're on there as well. Application for medical mandates. What's this section about here, Jason? Sure. It's taking all of the aforementioned items about authority and jurisdiction 
and and really just applying it, especially to the this issue of medical mandates, because it is the most pressing issue of our time. Um, when you talk about it being the most uh, important document that the church has produced in 300 years, I think part of the reason, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Tim, but I think part of the reason that, that it's viewed that way is mostly because of the pressing nature of, of COVID and uh, the fact that this isn't going to go away. We've now set a precedent. So the next time a flu-like virus comes along um, and uh, we end up losing, we lost more people a couple of years ago overall than, than last year. So the next time this thing comes along, we're going to see it happen again. And so we want to stop and, and say, no, 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 we're not doing this again. We're not going along with shutting businesses down so people's livelihoods at stake, um, making appeals to the Fed so they can print more money, causing more inflation. And we're all feeling that right now. We're done with that. So we need to apply this issue of authority to the medical mandates. And so we we basically come right out swinging in that section and just say, we deny that the civil authorities have been granted lawful jurisdiction and authority over personal, familial, or public health. And that sets the tone for the rest of the document. Okay, let's take an example because, you know, I've even referenced Leviticus uh, 13, the leprosy issue for, you know, a person quarantining themselves. You know, if they if they feel like they have something that's transmissible, and we talked about this, that they could do it. But you take it a step further and go into the ceremonial aspect. Let's take a couple of these things. I'll get your comments on it. This is from uh, Section 2 and Art... Uh, what, what do I say? Section is it article is it section section two, and I'm going to say uh, article seventeen and eighteen, and it says we deny that the leprosy related passages in Leviticus thirteen and fourteen can be construed to teach the general principle that civil government has unqualified and legitimate jurisdictions over managing public health, and then you go on in the next point to say. We affirm that these leprosy passages are related not to the spread of biological contagion, but of ceremonial uncleanness, as is evidenced by numerous factors. First, even the man covered head to toe in white leprosy was declared clean and was permitted in the camp. Second, the stated reason for the general expulsion of lepers is the same reason given for the expulsion of those who touched a dead body or had a bodily discharge, not biological contagion, but ceremonial uncleanness, which defiled the camp before the Lord. Third, nowhere in Scripture is leprosy described as being biologically contagious. And this is helpful for me because it kind of corrects some of my thinking, so I'm thankful about that. This leprosy also afflicted houses and garments. Leprosy was not the same as modern-day Hansen's disease. Fourth, In order to prevent belongings in a leprous house from being declared unclean by the priest, the owner was permitted to empty the house of his possessions before the priest priest arrived for inspection. Preventing biological contagion throughout or through sanitation, burning of objects was not in view here. The ceremonial practices associated with the now defunct Levitical priesthood have been made obsolete by Christ's greater priesthood and cannot be credibly invoked as providing civil government with jurisdiction over public health. And I think also this was a picture of what Christ would do when he came to the temple to inspect it, and then he rid he rid the temple, and then he comes back again. You know, the priest is supposed to come out, what is it, three days later or something, and he's to check and see uh, once they inspect the house, and then he's to clean it again, and we see Jesus doing that again uh, with the temple. Do you want to elaborate on this? Because uh, these these ceremonial separations, you know, you're unclean until night, until evening, or whatever the case may be. Uh, this also applied, and the lady who had the issue of blood. This was obviously a a, a a health concern for her 
that she couldn't get rid of for many years, and it was un- she was considered to be unclean, and yet she goes through a crowd and wants to touch Jesus's garment and says, if I can touch the garment, I can be healed. She spent all her money on the doctors, and as soon as she did, she was made whole. It was her faith that made her, that made her whole, and, uh, and she was considered to be ceremonially unclean at the time, which meant if she touched Jesus, that was going to make him unclean. I mean, that's, that's proper how they understood those things. You want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely, because this has been uh, probably one of the foremost passages outside of Romans 13 to try and justify uh, the the government, the civil government, and uh, even the civil government or the unelected bureaucrats at the health agencies that are appointed by people that are voted for, that they somehow have authority to quarantine people. And we just simply say, no, this is not a passage that can be credibly invoked to promote that idea. And uh, so let's let's deal with Leviticus 13 and 14. Uh, I think the the, the uh, declaration there is actually pretty clear and as nuanced and, and concise as po- as we could have possibly made it. But w- one thing I think that really deals a death blow to this idea that they can that the civil magistrate has authority to quarantine is Leviticus 13 13, because the man who was covered in head to toe in white leprosy was declared clean. So it, it, it's, it really has nothing, as we say in the declaration, it has nothing to do with the spread of biolog- biological contagion, whether that's a, a virus strain or a, a gain-of-function research um, bioweapon, whatever your position here on this is. It's not, you can't use this passage to describe that. And part of the reason is, a couple of reasons, but one is contextual. This is uh, connected to a whole host of other laws about ceremonies of cleanliness and uncleanliness and, and um, menstrual cycles and touching a dead body. And all of these things are all issues of separation of Israel from the nations. And one thing that's overlooked is the fact that a lot of these things uh, happen mostly uh, with regard to holiness and, and, and sin within the camp. Um, God had promised sanctions in Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26, sanctions against his people. Uh, we also know, I believe it's in Leviticus uh, 29, um, I forget off the top of my head, but we also have this issue where there are certain qualifications for the priests. The priests themselves were supposed to be free of any sort of deformity, any sort of, uh, of, of sickness or a physical um, dismemberment or any of those sorts of things. They were supposed to be perfectly and whole. And the reason was, is because they were closer to God. And the closer you get to God, the more holy you need to be. And so there were certain ceremonies that the priests had to do. And um, so all of this, though, at the, at the base level has to do with this issue, theologically, of ceremonial uncleanliness versus ceremonial cleanliness. And there was a process for this. And the reason is, Israel was supposed to be a nation of priests. They were supposed to be a people of healing, people who were... Um, eating the right things and not the bad things that were going to make you sick and give you parasites and, and all of these things that the nations around them were doing. So Israel was to be a, a nation of priests, and they were to be holy. And when they sinned, of course, God tells us in Deuteronomy 28, he would send fever, he would send inflammation, he, he would send these things to them. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, I think this is what is missed, when he goes into the temple to inspect it, and he goes twice, John covers the first interaction, That's in right. the first part of John, and then later he goes again, which is actually exactly what the priest was supposed to do here in Leviticus, just to inspect the, the house twice. So Jesus inspects the house twice, and he shows up, and what does he see? He sees money changers in the courts of the Gentiles, 
who were ostensibly doing something good, but the problem was where they were located. They were in the court of the Gentiles. And so there, there's actually, that's the thing that makes Jesus furious the most, is not that they were exchanging money and perhaps robbing people, because he talks about being a den of thieves, yep. quoting, I, I believe, Jeremiah. Yep. Um, and the, the thing that frustrates him is, is this is, you as the people of God are supposed to be serving the nations around you. You're, you're supposed to, the Gentiles are supposed to come in. I've made you a light to the nations, Isaiah says. Yep. So that's why Jesus is frustrated. So Jesus sort of brings in this reverse holiness. So instead of him being defiled, she's made pure. And that's because as a nation of priests, they were sick. They needed healing. They needed cleansing. And they needed a greater priesthood to do it. And that's why Jesus comes on the scene and changes everything. Uh, so you can't really use this passage in Leviticus to say that the state has authority to quarantine. Uh, it's just, it doesn't fit. First of all, we're talking about the Levitical magistrate or the Levitical priesthood, not the civil magistrate. Uh, Moses was not a, a, to right. be um, brought in. Uh, this is obviously pre-monarchy in Israel, <laughs> but Israel and the elders that were in charge of, of, of the judicial process were not to be brought in. This was an issue of holiness. It was an ecclesiastical issue and not one for the civil magistrate. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting when you go through there and you read about, like, the mold in the house, uh, and the, uh, the the priest comes and checks that, and then they do basically the same kind of thing, and then they tear down the house. And it's it's reminiscent of what Jesus does. He's come in there, he's inspected, he's done all these things, he's dealing with the hypocrites. Matthew 23, he says, I'm leaving your house desolate, and 40 years later, just like he said, in that generation, they would see it, he tore down their house. He tore down yep. their temple uh, because it was theirs. They weren't. They weren't doing the things of God in that temple. They were doing what they wanted to do, and so there is a there is a picture there. I want to lead up to this, and we'll close out the show. And then, uh, Jason, if it's okay, and I'm assuming it's okay uh, yeah. for you to for you to hang over to cover a couple of more points. We're not going to cover every point like we did in the last show. If people want to see all of that then I'll put that in the archive where they can they can listen as we go through every single point. But a couple of them that are important, and I'll tee it up kind of, I don't know, um, as Bradley says, put a little salt on people's tongue. Maybe they want to come over from Red State on the SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and hear the rest of the discussion. These are three points that you make here. We deny that civil governments have lawful jurisdiction or authority to remove anyone's right to pursue their livelihood and conduct their affairs in public. Again, I would point back to the Fourth Commandment. That seems pretty straightforward, working and resting. That Both right. are commanded. And then we have, we deny that civil governments have lawful authority to enact lockdowns predicated on protecting public health as as this is not their jurisdiction. And then the other point is, we affirm that individuals are free to restrict their own movement about society to this end. Should they deem it wise to do so, they may not lawfully demand that civil government employ force on their behalf to restrict the liberty of others. So if you want to hear Jason's comments on the other side of where we close out the show, please do so. Go to sonsoflibertymedia.com. If you want to look at the full declaration and you want to put your name on it, you want to agree with that, go to warrantondeclaration.com. W-A-R-R-E-N-T-O-N, declaration.com. Bradley will be on at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Michael Peruca will be with us. You don't want to miss that either. 6 a.m. See ya. Okay, all right. We want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio, Sons of Liberty Media. And uh, joining us there, please click on the platform in the bottom part where the little 
logo is and join us in the chat. We'd love to have you guys. By the way, if you guys have any, I see a lot of you guys uh, making statements about a lot of different things, and that's great. But if you've got a question for Jason, I'll do my best to try to keep up with it and uh, uh, see what's going on. Uh, Eric, by the way, Eric's going to ask a question here. Um, and you mentioned this, but I'll let you answer, Jason. Uh, you mentioned the parasites and things of the things they were eating. Uh, Eric asks, why is pork bad? That's actually, in my view, part of the reason why. Yeah. is I mean, because of the parasitical you know, contents of what goes into pigs. I mean, these are uh, very filthy creatures. And, and I want to make sure that it's clear, too, that you know, if you choose to eat that, you are permitted, of course, Jesus right. makes right. that clear. So yep. I'm not, uh, who am I to pass judgment? I'm not, I'm not here to pass judgment, but as far as my conscience is, uh, I, I just, I avoid it. Um, I, I see no real nutritional value in it either. Yeah. That my, I, I, it was funny. I, uh, I showed my kids some things of some pork that they had laid out. And I think the lady poured Coca-Cola over it and you saw these little white uh, they look like little maggots or something, but they're oh, come out of the. It's just disgusting, and 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 so yeah, there are, and it's the I guess it's the same reason we don't eat a buzzard, because they're they're animals that were made to clean up, and that God's given them a special digestive system to where it doesn't harm them, but they're able to take care of all the dead animals and stuff that's you know around that normally or the garbage whatever that normally uh, you know people don't go around taking care of and they're doing that. And so that stuff's gotten in their system. I think that's one of the reasons, Eric, that that was given was it was to keep the people healthy. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's one of the things, but these three things that I read here, um, and I'll just show them again, the, the, uh, which one is this 1920 and 21. Do you want to elaborate on that just a little bit? Sure. Yeah. When, when we were, uh, kind of leading up to it anyway. I think that that's one of the main issues with regard to the lockdowns and the mass mandates and the vaccine mandates. I think this is a point of clarification that people just have to to, to get in their minds, especially as we seek to educate other people. And I want to encourage the listeners to to make sure that, that this website gets around. Um, read it carefully and prayerfully consider signing it. <clears throat> we need to keep, continue to spread the word because it is a thoughtful expression of what we see being a very consistent biblical ethic. Um, we deny that the governments have lawful jurisdiction or authority to remove anyone's right to pursue their livelihood. Back in early May of last year, when the lockdowns here in Virginia were started, uh, we did a reopen rally locally, and we received so much criticism from it. But I tell you, one of the things we stuck with our guns was this point. The government has no right to tell you not to work. That's the that was the message. And not only that, but as part of the Dominion Covenant, where we are supposed to work and keep the world and build business and so on, uh, that is a massive encroachment uh, from for the civil magistrate to come in and say, you can't you need to close your business and don't worry, we'll take care of you sort of language. No, we reject that all altogether. The government. Uh, civil government has no right, no authority to do that, to enact a lockdown that's predicated on this view of, well, we're going to protect public health. I mean, they, you know, they can't even get their basic economics squared away. They don't even understand that abortion is murder. They don't understand any of these things. So I don't believe that they actually want to save lives. 
not when they're ignoring all these vaccine adverse reactions that are happening with especially kids who are, you know, inflamed hearts and and dying 13 and healthy 13 and 14 year olds, ostensibly healthy, but no known symptoms, get get the shot. And then they have a heart attack at 13 and die. They don't seem to be caring about that. So I just don't trust them at all either. But we deny that, that that's even a legitimate conversation. They have no authority. People have the right at the liberty that Christ gives us to move about society and uh, take their own precautions if they want to. But other than that, no one needs to tell anybody what to do in that regard. Yeah, it's interesting. You you make mention of the uh, the inflamed hearts and the, the the reports that we're getting out. You know, we don't hear that in the media either as they push this agenda of authority to give the the injections. And they don't tell us that the a lot of the people who are getting these injections that the media tells them will inoculate them against COVID, even though the manufacturers themselves have on their site. We can't guarantee that this is going to stop right. you from getting this stuff. You know, we even had uh, Peter McCullough. Uh, Dr. Peter McCullough citing a, a CDC whistleblower saying that that they're manipulating the numbers. There are 50,000 Americans dead. Now, I think that's probably short of what's going on because we only have 100,000 of those. But that's that's really for another story. But I, I just I want to kind of back that up. What you were saying is mm-hmm. they're not. These are the same people that sanctioned the beheading, the dismemberment, and the burning and slaughtering of the innocent in the womb. But they tell you that this is about safety and about your health. They really care about your health. They don't. It couldn't be further from the truth. It's 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 just a big lie. It's that schmoozing. It is the. Um, I use that word schmoozing. That's that's a word, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's that it's that fake love that we were talking. See, all of this is geared around real love. They're giving a fake love. We right. we're going to exercise our authority because we are, are a, we're going to usurp an authority because we quote unquote love you. And it's not real love that's being demonstrated. It's tyranny. It's force. It's lording their authority and usurping authority over the people that they are supposed to serve on behalf of God. They're supposed to be ministers of God. Um, let's see. There's a, there's some there's a couple other things I want to get to, and then let's look at uh, the the final section here. Um, this is from twenty four. We deny that the existence of communicable diseases viral testing mechanisms and the invention of vaccinations create a new standard of morality whereby a healthy person simply conducting their affairs in society without vaccination, viral testing, or wearing a mask is evidence of criminally or morally reckless behavior. I think that's really good, a good statement. Moreover, if such a standard for violation of medical freedom is adopted, conceivably, civil governments could permanently regulate and restrict every facet of life, since according to the same rationale, various flu-like viruses can be unknowingly spread at all times. Further, there are a host of other uh, far more deadly dangers, such as heart disease, which like virus-related hospitalizations also place a burden on the health system. Uh, The civil government does not then gain authority to ban soda intake for obese individuals. And I agree with that. And, you know, now it's coming to the forefront, Jason, and you probably see some of this, this challenging of the germ theory, because it is a theory. It's like evolution. It's a theory. It's not been proven. And it's come along with the terrain theory, which is what we were talking about a little bit ago about us taking care of our own bodies. The reason that we're often sick in things is we haven't eaten the right things. We haven't drunk, drunk the right things. We haven't 
you know, looked after our bodies the way God tells us to look after our bodies. And, uh, and I think that's being challenged pretty heavily uh, due to the shenanigans that have gone on here with COVID. I mean, people have been doing it before, but I know uh, Nurse Kate and uh, Dr. Kaufman, Dr. Cowan and Dr. Madej and all these doctors that we brought on, they basically, a lot of them come from that terrain theory position of if you take care of your body, you're less apt to be sick uh, or, or to experience these viruses and, you know, all these other different things by just simply taking care of your body. Do you want to hit on this on this particular part here? Sure. That's exactly why I wrote the book Health for All of Life, because there is a theological underpinning to all of this when, with regard to specifically health and the, the idea of terrain theory being that God has made us in his image. And now I want to say, too, I know that folks like Dr. Cowan and I, I, know, I don't know that some of them would confess Jesus as Lord. I, I haven't really talked to them. I've read their material and, and, her, and heard them, certainly. Uh, so I don't know that they'll necessarily confess that. But there are lots of, uh, lots of great doctors that are out teaching these basic principles of the terrain theory. And for us as Christians, we come and say, yeah, we're made in the image of God. God's given us a body. Uh, we're primarily electrical beings, not chemical beings. Uh, so we need proper voltage. That's Dr. Jerry Tennant's work. I highly recommend that. Um, so we not only need that, but we need healthy nutrition. We need the, the mighty 90 essential, essential nutrients, making sure that your body has the tools that it needs on the cellular level to, to, help, to help us be healthy. So it does matter what you eat. Um, a lot of people get sick because they just eat terrible things. Uh, you, you can't eat fast food, you know, five times a week and expect to feel great. You're just not going That's to. That's right. That's right. Uh, so am I saying you're sinning? Well, maybe you are if you have a gluttonous attitude, but um, you know, that's, that's a hard thing that I don't, I don't know. You need to, you need to analyze that. That's right. But, that's right. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, the germ theory is predicated on this idea that germs are just waffling through the air all the time. And we're swimming in this ocean of viral contamination. And uh, well, it looks like it got you, but it didn't get me. And so that, you know, the, it's been obvious that masks don't work. Fauci said as much at the very beginning. And yet the prevailing narrative was cover your mouth. Um, you probably saw the headline of these uh, uh, parents who sent their masks in to be tested and all the disgusting stuff that was found on it, pneumonia particles and all these things. So you know, terrain theory doesn't reject that germs exist and that, that viruses exist, um, but we reject the idea that that's the driving force behind some behind why someone gets sick. We get sick because the terrain's disgusting. <laughs> we get sick because we don't have the proper nutrition. We don't have the proper, you know, our lymph systems are clogged and and we don't have a, a good communication systems going on because we're, you know, we sit around all day, that idea. Um, so, yeah, one's very Christian and one seems very pagan as far as I can tell. Yeah, let's let's touch on the next two things because I think that uh with these this gets to the coercion part. And uh you you guys the, the statement has made I want to say you guys, but man, I'm signed on to this. I know other people on side that we're yeah. saying, we're agreeing we're saying. that we affirm that a biblically faithful view of the civil government sphere 
as well as the ecclesiastical government sphere, provides no lawful jurisdiction for civil magistrates or ecclesiastical authorities to mandate or in any way coerce individuals to inject substances into themselves or their children or cover their mouths, noses, face, or any combination thereof with masks. And then you go on and you say, we affirm that any civil or ecclesiastical authority that attempts to coerce their individuals or their children with any form of public banishment, fine, imprisonment, social ostracism, or other forms of coercion for not wearing a mask or injecting a substance into their bodies are ascribing to themselves authority not delegated by God are and are in grievous sin. Now that's a that's a pretty big statement. They are in they are sinning, they are lawless, they are violating the law. That's what John says sin is, is a transgression of the law. That's a pretty big statement to make. This is both within the civil sphere and within the church. Yeah, it's a big statement because I think it just needs to be very clear and understood that you just don't have the authority, whether that's the church that, I mean, I, again, I, I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but a friend of ours who hadn't been to his church in over a year because they were making you wear masks. And they're the ones being divisive on this issue. They're the ones being unloving because we're actually anchoring this in the truth and the law of God, that there are there is no jurisdictional authority for the state to say these things. And once you get that down, you're good to go because what, by what authority are you appealing to to mandate someone get a vaccine? The CDC's authority? I don't care about the CDC. They have no, no bearing on my health. I'm not interested in any of their doctors and their opinions. I don't care. I don't want to hear it from them. So that I reject their, their authority. I reject what they say. And then, I, you know, I'll get accused of being a science denier, of course, um, having written on the science of vaccinations, <laughs> um, and so have others who who have uh, seen the problem with them and how they do cause autism and so forth. Um, but we want to be strong in this statement and in, in, in this declaration by saying that any sort of coercion like this, whether you're socially ostracizing someone, you know, you can't come to this concert because you haven't proved that you've been vaccinated, that sort of thing. They're they're sinning. They have no authority to to, to do those sort of things. Uh, the civil magistrate has none at all, and neither do, do churches or elders or pastors. Um, you, you're just you're sinning by doing that because you don't have it. Yeah, and somebody has said in the uh, chat that they haven't seen uh, churches uh, forcing any of these things. Well, I, I've seen several in the news where they're doing that and they're ostracizing the people. Um, I would say if you're in a church like that, you probably need to go find another one. Um, yes. Obvious. Look, it's obvious. You've even got a statement in here, you know, where churches encourage people who are sick, you know, sit out this session, get well, and then come back next week or come back the the next set, you know, assembly that we have. And I, I don't see any problem with that. And and they leave, and you're you're basically leaving it up to the individual who is sick as to whether or not they feel like they can be there or or if they're going to spread something, whatever. That they have the conscience to do that, um, you know, before God and the church has the authority to say, hey, if you're not feeling good, then probably it's best if you stay home. And it's not lording it over the people to say, you're going to do this or else. Uh, Again, it becomes an issue of conscience and those kinds of things. There's a couple more things down through the statement here. Um, You address church officers, you address um, the church meetings, and, and let's get to the last part here. There's a couple of statements. 
We affirm that maintaining personal health and personal health decisions, including decisions about which medical interventions to adopt or forego, are the role and jurisdiction of each individual and their family. We deny that parents are guilty of neglect or abuse if they choose to forego a given medical intervention, such as a medical procedure or vaccine, due to the fact that they are not convinced of the short and long-term risk profile or effectiveness of the action. This remains true regardless of what recommendations they have or haven't received from a doctor. And then finally, we affirm that it is anti-scriptural for a parent to categorically deny all medical interventions to their children at all times with the rationale that all medical intervention is, as a category, evidence of a lack of faith in God. Can you touch on that a little bit, Jason? Because, um, you know, I've seen over the years, and I've had to report on it, a lot of it happened up up in, in the northern states but they would take children who had not been vaccinated from their families and they and the judge would order them vaccinated. I got to tell you, if that happened in my house, um, I, I have my vaccination for people who want to try to uh-huh. do that to my kids. And I, I, don't, I don't say that jokingly, and I, I'm, I'm certainly not trying to put out testosterone, but I've thought long and hard because we had a dealing with CPS before and I kind of just followed the advice of the attorney we had because I had never had the dealings with them. I thought this ought to be a open and shut case here that they don't have a right to be coming in my house doing this. But here again, the parent who says, I'm not going to give my kid that. I'm not going to take it because I see, especially with this one, I see what it's doing to people. And there's no way I'm taking that. I'm going to take you out before you put that in me. And uh, I think that's I think this is what you're saying is there that that we're not to submit ourselves to those things to where in conscience uh, we can't do them, you know, as unto God and really trust that that's going to be effective. Sure. And we're trying to also stay away from the other extreme where uh, you've had folks who say, well, if you, you know, trust anything at all. That's the last statement about categorically denying right. all medical interventions. We want to, you know, if you, if you uh, do any of that, then you are thereby lacking your faith in God. And whether that's supplementing with vitamins or, or, uh, you know, the, the, I use the longevity product I think is really good. Uh, you know, that's not a denial of the faith in God. That's me trying to take care of my body and to do what I can to make sure that I have health and healing. But so we're saying we're trying to shore up the statement and the declaration with that regard, but also uh, this other idea where the state has has said, and this happens all the time. I don't think people realize this, but they are being charged with neglect or abuse because they're trying to forego any sort of medical intervention by sheer conscience. And those are two categories I think we have to have clarity on. Otherwise, we're not going to have any sort of ground to stand on with regard to this question of authority. And, it, it, you know, as you said earlier, the first section was all about authority, and then we're just trickling down and applying it to all of these different scenarios. And a scenario like that is just reprehensible for a judge to, to say, you must be vaccinated. Um, that is not your job. That is not your role. You have no authority to say such things. And uh, those who would teach that that is permissible, uh, especially who name the name of Christ, I, I would urge to repent. Uh, it's wickedness. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and, and too many uh, countries, we've seen this, uh, where the church has sat back, they've allowed totalitarians to come in, 
and they've even blended with them. This is, I got to tell you, Jason, this is a pet peeve of mine. Uh, if I go into a church and they got the American flag standing in where the people are gathered, that's a problem for me. Um, mm. and, and they did that in Nazi yeah. Germany. Um, they did it in some areas in Russia uh, when communism was there. And, you know, I got to... The other boy, I don't want to get off. I'm not even going to say that because I'll get off on a total another subject if I start talking about modern day Israel. Um, but it's the, it's that same kind of mentality that that gets in and thinks that you know these people can just do what they want, and it's it the 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 more sad or the sadder thing is is that many within the church will go along and they'll say, well, God has blessed America and America is the greatest nation on the earth. And, and, and we're not even looking at our, we're not even looking really clear with our own eyes at how wicked our own country is, how wicked our own government has become. And uh, we think that we're going to fix wickedness in our country with, you know, men going in promising to do things that they don't do. And again, this is where, you know, I've been pressing for the issue of militia to enforce the law. And I think right. this would apply here in this area, too, because you can bet your bottom dollar if they send in the National Guard to start going house to house or whatever, we're going to need the men to come out like in Samuel who will come out who are not, you know, diverted from all kinds of other things. And they're they're going to be in the fight. They're going to stand up and say, "You're not bringing that stuff in here." And we're gonna we're gonna uh, ensure that you don't bring it on our families. They're gonna have to come together. And I think this is a thing where this is a, a a prime time for that to begin because there's a, there is a commonality amongst a lot of people, whether they're believers or not or not believers. We have unbelievers who come in and listen to the show, and I'm thankful that you guys continually come in. Um, and, and you listen to the Sons of Liberty and you support us. I really, I really am. But we've, we've got to come together as a people to stand against this because if we're just one standing and one standing, they end up picking us off and we got to stand together as the body. I think that's why, you know, God tells us that we, we are to assemble together. It's, we're family. We're supposed to be together. We're supposed to be in each other's lives and doing these things, encouraging the truth and defending one another. And uh, so with that said, I'm just going to quickly scroll through here. These are the initial signers to the declaration so people can see them. And uh, then here, here are some of the other signers that are already on board with this particular decoration, and they're from all over the country. Do you got anybody outside of the country that has signed on to this yet, Jason? Absolutely. We have people down in South Africa and in India. We have, you know, our church, we have connections um, quite across the world, quite literally. Um, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of people from outside the U.S. as well. Okay. All right. Yeah, I see that South Africa down here. Okay, so here are some of the names. If you're listening now, or if you listen later, Go to warrantondeclaration.com. If you agree, read the decoration, okay? And if you agree with the decoration, put your name on there. There's a place down at the bottom there where you can you can enter your name and where you're from, and they, they put you on there as well. I think this is a strong statement, Jason. I, I hope that it will get some traction uh, across the country. I, now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not expecting major news outlets to, to pick it up, uh, but if they do then maybe in God's providence that'll happen and uh, and this will get out and maybe it will challenge some people. It'll give an opportunity, obviously, to speak about the gospel too because I think it's contained in there. When you were talking about Leviticus, those are the types and shadows of Christ and it's so easy to jump over and say, 
Look what Christ did. It's the, it's the fulfillment of that. He's the real deal. He's not the shadow anymore. He's, he's the real thing, and people can see that reality and uh, point them towards the gospel. And so I'm hoping that there'll be some people, even if they're there to sort of malign you or whatever, that maybe they'll they'll bring you on the show, uh, whether it's on a MSLSD or you know any of the other mainstream outlets or the Fox <laughs> News or wherever, they'll bring you on to at least give you time to speak about what this is and uh, counter the narrative that government is the end-all, uh, be-all, as it were. Yeah, I'm hoping if anybody knows a connection to Tucker Carlson, I'd like to talk to him about it. I think it's something he would he would be interested in. So please reach out to me if that's the case. Yeah, I don't I, I think I might have somebody uh, who might have a connection there, but I'm not I'm not real sure. But uh, they're asking for the link in the chat. Let me pop that in right quick. And there you go, guys. And I'll go ahead and pop it in over at D live as well. So you guys have it, and uh, you can click on that, and you can check that out. Jason, final word from you, man, on uh, what's going on here. Yeah, I I just really hope and pray that this declaration can make it far and wide because uh, this issue of authority is so important and so crucial. And I think for for too long, Christians and pulpits have been silent on the issue, and uh, we need to to stop being silent. We, We need to be unashamed of the gospel, as Paul says in Romans 1, and be very quick to want to provide clarity um, and, and also, Paul also speaks elsewhere about casting down these ide- ideas and speculations and these, the, basically these empty philosophies where um, states get to just do whatever they want. And this encroaching idolatry of statism needs to be repented of. And it's going to start with the church repenting and us, and us leading the way and saying things like what we're saying here in the Declaration. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. And that's what I talk about when, you know, the passage that you're quoting there. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds. And he's not talking about buildings. He's talking about these things, the, the, these things that we've built in our minds that we've got to tear down so that we think rightly, so that we act rightly. And um, there was a guy years ago, he said, you know, we need to have proper orthodoxy so that we have proper orthopraxy. In other words, yeah. we need to think rightly so that we act rightly. And I appreciate you bringing that out, Jason. Uh, Jason Garwood. And uh, be sure to check out the book that he's got, Health for All of Life. Jason, if you'll hang on, I'll say goodbye to you as soon as I close out the show. And uh, check out healthforalloflife.com. Be sure to check out Resistance to Tyrants, uh, Romans 13. And that's uh, by my friend Gordon, our mutual friend, Gordon Runyon. He's a signer of this as well. And uh, also go over and check out the um, declaration here. Once again, it's called the Warrington Declaration. And you go there at warrantondeclaration.com. Leave off the D, warrantondeclaration.com. You can read the whole thing. Um, you can see who signed it. And then you can sign it if you agree with it. And, you know, I hope that you share this with your pastors. I hope you share it with your elders, with uh, your deacons, with the people in your church, people who aren't even in your church. Look, there are some people, even in the chat, I know, that would agree at least with the majority of what's here who aren't even Christian, and they could say, yep, I agree with that. They have no authority here, and we have authority here, and you know, for a variety of reasons, they could, they could agree with the majority of what's here. If you want to put your name on it, put your name on it. You don't have to be Christian 
to agree with the truths of what are here. And so I want to encourage people to do that and share it with your friends. All right, this will be up in the archive later on at sonsoflibertymedia.com. All the links that we've had here, the things that we've talked about, that'll be up there, video, podcast, and everything. Be looking for that a little bit later on this morning. It'll be under the same title as you see for the video description. And don't miss Bradley today, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central on sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then we'll be back with you in the morning. 2004 presidential candidate Michael Peruca, uh, he is a believer too, a big believer. And uh, you're going to like what he has to say because it's going to come right along behind this. Who is our enemy? Who is the enemy in our midst is what I want to say. And he's going to give you descriptions of that. And I'm sure the light bulb is going to come on as to who the enemies are here in America and how we should be in opposition to them. We'll see you at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Don't miss Bradley again, 3 p.m. this afternoon. See you.